This podcast is part of the Christian Geek Central Network at ChristianGeekCentral.com. Episode 322, 1979 and the Star Wars Effect. Part of our On the Nines Anniversary Series. Welcome to the Strangers and Aliens Podcast. Strangers. <laughs> to boldly say what needs to be said. Would you be a stranger or an alien? Or would you be a strange alien? The truth is out there. I am your father's best friend, Plumber. Superman. Wonder Woman. Heroes. Villains. Captain Picard versus Captain Kirk. Do you think that there's room in sci-fi for God? The very first thing that God did so was that he created something. So we have a creative God. This is Strangers and Aliens Podcast. Hello and welcome to another episode of Strangers and Aliens it's a podcast about science fiction and fantasy and Christianity and spirituality, and sometimes they intertwine well, sometimes they don't. Sometimes we have to make weak connections, and sometimes it's just it's just perfect, like it was made for us to talk about it. But yeah, uh, I'm Ben Ben Avery, and I'm here with Steve McDonald. How are you doing, Steve? That's me. I'm pre- doing pretty good. Pretty good. Doing it was good. a very interesting day, but has nothing to do with this episode. So. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, I, I just uh, <laughs> uh, I, I get uh, I always remember the the security guard at, at my college who one time he came to help me to get into a closet uh, to put some stuff away. And and uh, he said, are you OK? And I said, yeah, yeah, it's it's been a long day. And he just looked at me and said, it's been a long day all week <laughs> and I'll never forget that. And this is one of those weeks where today it's been another yep. long day, but it's been a long day. It all has week. been. A long day all week. Yes. So we're here and this is a four part series we're doing. I'm not sure if they're all going to go in a row, uh, but we're going to do them this year because <laughs> it's 2019 yep. and we are looking back at uh, just the different decades, but not the whole decade, just a decade ago. So it's 2019 now and we're going to look back at or at, at 1979, at 1989, at 1999, and at 2009. They're each going to get their own episode as we talk about just science fiction, specifically movies, although there will be a little bit of other things we talk about. And what's interesting about all these things we're going to talk about in these different years is there's kind of these kind of groupings. And this came out of me re- realizing that, uh, first of all, uh, Star Trek The Motion Picture, Black Hole, and Alien – we're all 40 years ago. And so Star Trek, the motion picture and alien are both getting special re-releases in theaters. I already have my tickets, uh, black hole. I have not seen anything for that yet. Uh, but I would get a ticket if I, if I did <laughs> just to see that on the big screen, because I didn't get a chance to, cause I was only four when that came out. Right. Um, and so then I, the other thing that I realized was 1989 with, with Batman, but that summer was a crazy summer. Right. And and then we were looking at 1999 when you have uh, the Matrix and stuff like that. And then and then I was like, oh, well, 2009 is not going to have anything. And it actually does. There's actually some really good movies 
or at least some a good category of movies in sci-fi uh, in 2009. So we're going to do that. And so we're starting with 1979 because we're going, you know, chronological order. And we're going to talk about just uh, just the status of sci-fi. And so for this episode, um, I entitled it uh, 1979 and the Star Wars effect. And the reason 1979 is such a big year in science fiction is because this is the year when things started coming out to copy the success of Star Wars. Right. This is when you really started to see it. Um, just quickly, looking at 1978 uh, in sci-fi, just movie-wise, you could see that they were still making movies that hadn't quite yet had the opportunity to really be influenced by Star Wars. So there's mm-hmm. the Alien Factor, which is a really kind of not good movie, <laughs> but it's this <laughs> low-budget sci-fi. Uh, it's not Alien. No, no. Um, <laughs> the Cat from Outer Space. Disney yeah, sci-fi was, live action movie. Sandy I think Duncan. that was my, my favorite movie of 1977 until Star Wars came out. Well, Catherine Outer Space was 78. So it was after oh, Star really? Wars. Yep. Okay. Yeah. Huh. I yep. guess maybe, maybe I was wrong. <laughs> <laughs> I just rewatched that by the way. I, I, uh, Did you? yeah, I, I've got a soft spot for, um, live action Disney sci-fi because of the wild world or the, the wonderful world of Disney or whatever was on Sunday right. nights. And yep. so this was on, um, which mountain, two which mountain movies. Uh, but yeah, then there's, um, invasion of the body snatchers. Mm-hmm. Again, we're still, this is still okay. pretty old school type of sci-fi. Uh, it could be a lower budget because it takes place in modern day and it's all about people. The aliens are the people and yes, laser blast. Which we'll talk about in just a moment here. Um, return from which mountain, uh, Superman, which was Mm -hmm. well into production when star Wars came out, but I think only was helped by star Wars, you know, kind of, this is probably the best example of a movie that really was able to, um, feed the appetite of people who were like, star Wars was great. And then you have the Superman movie, John Williams is doing the music. It starts Mm -hmm. in space. And so, you know, even if you're not. A Superman fan or a comic book fan, this is going to scratch that itch a little bit for you. Right, right. Um, but let's talk about Star Crash and Laser Blast because Star Crash <laughs> is absolutely a Star Wars ripoff made in Italy. And this was a low budget, rushed to, um, rush to production. David Hasselhoff is the star. Uh, but they pushed this thing forward and they did a great job of just ripping it off low budget and making the cash grab. Um, and laser blast was another similar. I don't know if this was in production before star Wars. I have to think it was cause there's some, there's some special effects in this movie that are pretty good mm-hmm. and, and stuff, but there's, this is the movie with the scene where they're driving by this kid who looks a lot like Mark Hamill is possessed yeah. by this alien weapon that was dropped off by these stop motion alien guys who look like they could have been related to ET distant cousins. Uh, <laughs> he is possessed by this weapon. He's driving around or being driven around and he is shooting things randomly with this laser blaster that's on his arm. That's a part of his body right now. And one of the things he blows up is a billboard for star Wars. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> and it's just kind of the statement that this really bad movie is making to say, I don't know what, 
I don't know if, I don't know, but they did it. <laughs> yeah. It's saying that we are better than, you're not going to remember Star Wars because you are going to remember Laser Blast. Was that the name of it? That was the movie. Yes. What was Laser Quest? <laughs> no, wait, Laser Laser, no. Cra- laser Crash. No, Star. Well, uh, laser. Star, star, star Crash, uh, uh, which also could have been Star Star Crap. And then uh, <laughs> Laser Blast could actually probably also take that um, laser laser crap. But wow. In 77, you had Capricorn One, Close Encounters of the Third Kind. You know, you these these movies that, again, Close Encounters, I think, benefited from Star Wars, but was not influenced by Star Wars. Because there might there might have been a lot more shooting if, if Star Wars had come out. Before right. That. Yeah, it was more like a – it was like a psychological drama, but of course played out with, you know, with aliens. Yeah. And then <laughs> – Another kind of funny uh, Logan's Run. Oh, yeah. So Logan's Run, 1976, and would have been a completely different movie if it had come out two years later. But this was one of those where the movie comes out and then the TV people are like, what can we do that's like Star Wars? Wait a minute. We got this Logan's Run thing. So they did a Logan's Run TV show. And yeah, so that was – but this is 79 we're talking about here. This is right. the year that we really feel the influence and the effect of Star Wars on the big screen and the small screen. Because you know what else came out in, in 79 is a couple things on, on TV. Yeah. Yeah. Anything good? Well, you want to go TV first? We could go there first because you had <laughs> Buck Rogers yeah. and mm-hmm. Battlestar Galactica. Both. Were they 78? I'm pretty sure they're 79. At least the oh, movies Bass- were. The Battlestar Galactica. Oh, you're talking about the movies? The When they the when one- they put the movies on the big screen, yeah. Yes. Yeah, I think that was – yeah, I'm pretty sure that was 79. And I actually got to see Battlestar Galactica in the theater. Let's check and see. But I'm I, one of the three. I did not. <laughs> I did not. Uh I mean, both both Buck Rogers and and Battlestar Galactica, they got their their pilot episodes as these kind of pilot movie kind of things. But then they got a big screen release. So Buck Rogers first episode air date, September 20th, 1979. Ah, okay, there you go. And Battlestar Galactica was... A little earlier than that, but by how much? I think it was seventy-eight. The t the the TV version, well, but the movie I think was seventy-nine. All I know is that the sequel series <laughs> was Galactica nineteen eighty. So right. So there <laughs> that 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 one is a little bit easier, but here we yeah, go. You can oh yeah, 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 seventy-eight, seventy-eight. But was that the pilot movie? Yeah. No, that was the TV show. The movie came out in 79. Well, anyway. Yeah. So that was absolutely influenced by Star Wars, by the spectacle, the explosions. But then also the uh, special with Battlestar Galactica, the, the mysticism in some ways. 
you know, where you have there's, yeah. there's this sci-fi thing going on here, but there's also this kind of old school mythological thing going on here. I mean, with Battlestar Galactica, it starts out, there are those who believe that life down here began out there. And those tribes of humans. Yeah. 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 Basically, it's Mormonism mm-hmm. <laughs> for the for the small screen and then eventually for the big screen. So, okay. So 1979, Steve, how old were you? I was 12. I was, I would have been four and five. Four. Yeah. Yeah. So this was, I mean, this was right in my swing zone, you know, in my dunk tank and whatever you call it. This was, I, I mean, 1977 was all Star Wars for me all the time. I, I remember... I probably told this story before, but one of my friends, my best friend at the time, uh, Derek Fay. So, hey, Derek, if you're listening, give me a call because I haven't heard from you in like 20 years, 30, maybe. Anyway, he had these like the Marvel comic books, the like the giant size, yeah, yeah, Marvel comic books, and it was issues one through three in one bound collection, and he had that, and I guess they hadn't put out the second one yet, and I read it, and. It it only get, I'm no spoilers, but it only gets up to them um, shooting their way out of the uh, and, and almost right before they jump into the, the the trash compactor. And I read it, and I'm like, "That's it." I'm like, "It stops in the middle. This is this is terrible." He's like, "No, no, no, no. That's only half the movie." And I'm like, "Well, why did they only put half the?" I this is before I was into comic books. This is before I knew much about serial storytelling, mm-hmm. you know, and I'm, I'm 10 years old at the time. So I was just taken aback. And then later on that year was his birthday and he took all his friends to or anyone that, that could to, to see star Wars. That was his birthday party. And, um, and my dad, uh, we, I come from a very religious background. So my dad, this is my first PG movie and my dad didn't really know you know, what to expect and stuff. And he hadn't given me the talk yet or anything like that. So he had no idea what Star Wars was about. So he sat me down before church. And this was like Sunday afternoon, so Sunday evening. We were about to go to our second church service. And um, I had gone to see the movie in the afternoon. And he said, so um, you saw the, the movie and it was rated PG. That means parental guidance. I'm like, yeah. He's like, so were there any bad words in the movie? And I'm like, I, I don't think so and my dad who's uh, at the time you would be like i mean he like you could tell him a joke and he would understand the joke and be like oh okay yes yes that was funny so just such a straight face and you know almost he had a sense of humor but it was difficult to to anyway so he's sitting there and i'm sitting there and and he's like so were there any S words. <laughs> and I'm like, no, 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 nothing like that. No, it's like in space, dad. And it, and I'm trying to explain to him, it's like, it's not even in this galaxy. And he's like, oh, okay. Okay. So it was okay with him. But the funny thing is with the comic book thing, why I brought that up is three years later, when I saw Empire Strikes Back, I had the exact same experience. I was like, that's it. It stops in the middle and no one could tell me that there was going to be, you know, oh, no, that's only half the movie because that was the entire movie. And I was like, I don't like this movie. 
And for the longest time, I didn't like Empire Strikes Back because it just it didn't end. It was like a terrible movie because it was in the middle and it stopped. So um, it's kind of funny that I had the exact same experience, just one in comic books and one in the actual movie. Well, what's interesting, I mean, Star Wars, they they made the sequel because it was just mad money, you know? Right. Yeah. Um, but they were taking a risk with, with, with ending on a cliffhanger like that. Right. Like most yep. movies back then, even if it was part of a franchise, it did not end on a cliffhanger. Yeah. Like it, it just, you, you didn't do that because there was the risk that it wouldn't, yep. you know, Buckaroo Banzai. Yeah. Yeah. And, and so then you have Star Wars do this and you had some other movies later that, that took the risk where you had like back to the future two and three where mm-hmm. they're making them at the same time. Right. But they still yeah. don't even know will back to the future two make enough money for a three <laughs> to make sense. Right. Yeah. You know, it, it was just unheard of. And it was a huge deal. I remember, you know, talking about it with my friends, uh, just yeah. like the, we're talking about the business the of the time. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, we were talking about the business of film with, with back to the future. And it was just a conversation that I hadn't even considered having before that. And so with, right. with empire strikes back, it was that kind of thing where, yeah, there's a cliffhanger here. And if they didn't make Return of the Jedi, uh, you know, the, the, the franchise is it's because the franchise died. You know, because right. Yeah, it was a risk. It was a big risk, an expensive yep. risk. Uh, but Star Wars itself didn't end that way. You know, mm-hmm. it, it, it's self-contained and it was its own thing, made so much money. Um, and then, like I said, you know, we're, we're now um, stepping into this 1979 where all these movies are just trying to uh, emulate that success and the studios are trying to emulate that success. And you had, I mean, that's part of the whole story of alien alien is at 20th yeah. century Fox, you know, which is also the, the studio that made star Wars, Star Wars, yeah. but that, the whole point of alien was what do we have that can <laughs> make some more of that star Wars money? And like, well, we got the space trucker movie with the, with the monster in it. And <laughs> so that gets greenlit because star Wars was a huge hit. And yep. same thing with Black Hole. Star Wars That's was a Disney, big hit. Yeah. And Black Hole, this Disney movie, they they made it um, basically because what can we do? What's, what's our Star Wars? Right. And, and they, they ended the up droids, with – droids. Yeah. They got the – The Darth the Vader-ish kind of character. Yeah. Um, yeah. Uh, the, the difference is you know, Black Hole didn't really feel as – energetic and the cast is definitely not young (laughs) (laughs) yeah we've done we've done an episode about the black hole with uh one of those uh, retro movie missions but yeah yeah robert forrester is not a a harrison ford ernest borgnine is not a mark hamill (laughs) (laughs) it's close but yeah roddy mcdowell he you know uh slim pickens Right. Uh, <laughs> and Slim Pickens is is not a Mark Hamill either. No, no. Um, but that, I think goes back to 1959. But anyway, <laughs> so they made this movie though. It, it's it's. I'll say this: it's a slick movie though. It looks good. Mm-hmm. Um, but it has that slow moving pace. This is still Black Hole, right? Yeah, yeah. No, it's yeah, it's. It, it has that slow pace like like the the first Star Trek uh, movie where, 
you know, you you wanted to show that grandeur. You wanted to to, to have that first scene in Star Wars where you know the 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 Tanta V4 is going through space and getting shot at, and then you see the Death Star and it's there for thirty seconds as it's opening up, and you know that whole thing. And I think that's what they wanted to capture when they wanted to show the Enterprise, or they wanted to show the you know the hugeness of the black hole as compared to this huge ship that you just saw. Mm-hmm. And they wanted to do this hugeness factor. And, you know, uh, the Enterprise is going through V'ger. And it's like, you just saw how big the Enterprise was. Look how big V'ger is. And, you know, it's it's like it was just too much of the showing the bigness and not enough of the action. You know, well, you yeah, needed I mean, just the shots and things. They wanted that awe factor. Yeah. And, and you got that in Star Wars. That's the thing. The difference is. With Star Wars, you have the awe factor and you have this bigness and you have this lived in world and you're spending time, you know, yeah, you got the ship flying overhead, but it's just this, oh, wow, this is here's this cool ship and it's getting blasted by what? And then, oh, it's just giant ship that's chasing it. And then you have, you know, the Millennium Falcon getting pulled into the Death Star. But in the midst of all that, you have laser blasts, you have people running, you have people yelling, you have Mm -hmm. um, and then when you move down to the planet to Tatooine for Luke, you know, they cut out a ton of scenes of Luke yep. just living life. Why? Because, mm-hmm. you know, cut to the chase. Cut to the chase is literally a, a film term yep. where they're saying cut the film. Yes. And to the part, to where, the the chase part where someone's getting chased. Yeah. <laughs> and so, you know, if someone's in yep. a conversation with you and they're like cut to the chase, you know, they're actually they're metaphorically talking about film. Uh, yeah. But in Star Wars, they were like, let's yeah. let's cut this. Let's cut this. We don't need that. We don't need that yeah. because we want to get to the the cool aliens and the blasters and all that kind of thing. Arms getting cut off. Yeah. Lightsabers. Yeah. And so with Black Hole, you're right. I mean, with Black Hole, because that's the other interesting thing. Star Wars didn't just open up because it was a blockbuster. It, it also opened up all these special effects technologies and things like oh, yeah. that where they were making up technology as they were going along. Yeah. And so then you have Black Hole and we'll talk about Star Trek The Motion Picture too. They're doing the same kind of thing. But they are like we want to show off the models. Mm-hmm. Yeah. We want you to make – we want to make sure you can see everything so clearly. Yeah. And so we're going to stop the movie to do that. You know? And, <laughs> um, and yeah. I like it. You thought it. a two-hour Star Wars movie was was not long enough. Oh, we have two and a half hours of Star Trek. <laughs> well, I mean, might as well talk about that a little bit too because, I mean, the whole thing with uh, V'ger is they are spending their time showing you how huge V'ger is but also how awesome it is to, um, you know, fly through it. And these th- they're making up – they are also – I've I've admitted this before. I'll admit it again. I read an 800 page book about the making of Star Trek: The Motion Picture. <laughs> now, it took me a long time to finish it, wow. but it was super fascinating. This is a big book too. Like the the page sizes. This is not um, a pocket novel or even a trade oh, okay. paperback. This is so actually like coffee book, coffee table book. Almost. I mean, it's it's a uh, um, I would say it's like eight by nine. Wow. Um, and and the so the text is in two columns. Um, but it's all these interviews and it's just transcripts of interviews that a guy who was writing an article about Star Trek, the motion picture for, I think it was Cinefix magazine. Cinefix. Yeah. He did all of these interviews for this. And then Star Trek, the motion picture was not the runaway hit monetarily that they thought it was going to be. And so they didn't do the article that he thought <sighs> they were going to do. And so 35 years later, he just takes all these tapes with, I mean, there's, 
there, Richard Wise, Robert Wise, rather the director, he's, he has interviews in there. Um, uh, there's Shatner's in there. Neway's in there. Goldsmith is in there. Um, there's even, uh, you know, just talking to these two guys who just happened to like drop out of college or whatever and, and start working in special effects, you know, and, <laughs> and they get hired to work on this movie, you know, and it's talking about how they were, you know, they had built these V'ger sets in someone's backyard because that's just where they did it, you know, and, and they would right. transport things in the back of a pickup truck and just different things like that. And, uh, it was, it's fascinating, fascinating. It, it, I don't recommend it to anyone cause it is, it's 800 pages <laughs> or 700 pages <laughs> but for you. I mean, for someone like you, yeah, it was, it, it was, yeah, the, it, it just, it was, it was really fun to read and it just takes you back in time. It's, it's a time yeah. capsule because it takes right. you back in time. It's not just about star Trek, although it is, it's also about Hollywood in the seventies. Right. And yeah. and they're talking about, how, you know, these conversations that we're having now about, OK, well, Star Wars, you know, and what can we do? And and Paramount's like, well, we got the Star Trek thing and we got Roddenberry who's wanting to do the Star Trek TV series a couple years ago. But um, and some sets and stuff was actually made for this Star Trek phase two that they were going to do. And um, they had hired an actor to play Zahn, who is the Vulcan who gets killed at the beginning. And so the, there's because of star Trek phase two that didn't get made on TV to launch mm -hmm. what was going to be a paramount network back then, um, which they ended up doing with Voyager when right. they, when they launched the UPN network yeah. um, with, with Voyager as a flagship sh uh, series. But anyway, it, they're showing off the tech. They want you to take your time so you can see the detail that they put into the movie. And with star Wars, it was the detail. We made the detail, but we are not going to stop and just focus in on the detail. We're going right. to right. That detail is there for window dressing. And, and then you have other movies like star crash or whatever. And they're just like, well, we don't need that. <laughs> you know, we're just going to gray wall. That's good enough. That's a, that's a sci-fi <laughs> thing, right? Yeah. Everyone likes the gray wall, but the one we didn't talk about, uh, yet much was alien. Alien, yeah. Which is is also like that, where they just created the thing and then shot it as if it existed. So they created the ship sets and they shot it as if it was just natural, just a natural yep. part of the world. We're not going to take our time here to really – I for the longest time, I, I could not even figure out what does the ship look like yeah. that they're on from the outside – because mm -hmm. I watched it on VHS, which is formatted for a 4-3 ratio instead of the widescreen ratio. And then when I finally did watch it on DVD, it was on a really tiny screen. It was on a 4-3 ratio TV, but it was letterboxed, so it had the, the bars at the top right. and bottom. I still had very little clue what this ship looked like that they were yeah. flying around. The main ship, the, the big ship that was hauling the the uh, oil refinery or whatever it was. Right. The uh, uh, Nostromo. Yeah. 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 And and so the drop ship, you kind of get a little bit of a view, but mm – -hmm. Uh, and you definitely with the alien ship, they did spend some time where here's this giant crescent alien ship that's just so weird. And it's in the landscape. What is it? They go in and you have the awe and wonder of discovery there. But then once they get back into their ship, it's the awe and wonder of discovery was the character's awe and wonder. And once they're back on the Destromo, they don't need that awe and wonder anymore. This is just home for them. Yeah. And we're going to shoot yep. it like it's home. Yep. 
So that's like, uh, one of the things that they got wrong when they're trying to copy <laughs> uh, Star Wars is that right. it's 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 a lived in universe. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. So, and it was a little bit more. I mean, the the way that they filmed it was, I I believe they sort of gave the characters like some vague understanding of what your character's motivation is, but they could sort of dialogue amongst themselves because, you know, they're actors and they can do that. You mean for alien? Yeah. Yeah. No, the thing with alien is it's definitely of that seventies cinema verite kind of thing mm -hmm. where we're capturing moments, not necessarily filming scenes. Right. And like the chestburster scene, they did not know what it was going to look like. Mm-hmm. They knew that they had set it up and it was going to do something. You know, the thing was going to come out, but they did not know. And so when um, I don't remember the actress's name, but the one who's not Ripley, uh, <laughs> not Sigourney, Weaver. not Sigourney, uh, when she screams, she actually was pretty terrified because she was not expecting yeah. it sprayed with blood. And none of them were expecting the, the chest burster to look like what it did. And, and that was to capture the moment. And so so Alien is a weird one, though, because it definitely was not trying to be a family movie. Right. Black Hole, Star Trek, the motion picture, although Star Trek, the motion picture um, or as originally envisioned by by Gene Roddenberry um, would have had nudity and just uh, <laughs> the whole idea of um, yes. uh, sexuality of the future was going to be. Right. Um, you know, much more looser and freer. And they kind of right. allude to some of that, but they yeah, with Alien, yeah. They don't show it. Yeah. Um but with Veronica, Alien Veronica Cartwright, by the way. That is the name, yes. Yes. That is the lady. Um and with Alien, I mean the it's it's gritty, it's grim, it's nihilistic, it's got this um phallic alien creature in it. Mm-hmm. Um and there's definitely a kind of psychosexual thing going on with this movie but it's it's definitely not trying to be a child-friendly um sci-fi blockbuster kind of thing so that's why it's kind of interesting that star wars caused it to get green lit but they were not green lighting another star wars Mm -hmm. black hole though they had action figures yeah and I had it was <laughs> I had Happy a, meals, I believe. Uh, yeah, I think so. And same with Star Trek, the motion picture. Uh, they may, maybe they didn't for Black Hole because I think Star Trek, the motion picture has like. Oh, man, I don't want to misspeak without looking this up, but it was a Happy Meal from McDonald's. And I think it was one of, if not the first, if oh, not really? the first Happy Meal, then the first like big tie in Happy Meal because Star uh-huh. uh, McDonald's had toys before that. Mm-hmm. Um, and actually there were like little stuffed grimaces and stuffed, uh, Ronald McDonald and, and that kind of thing. Right. Um, but there's something first with Star Trek, the motion picture, uh, black hole. I had a book that it was one of those punch out things where you had perforated shapes and the, the centerfold of the book was the bridge of the, um, whatever the ship is in the black hole. And had like right. you, you could get the little uh, cyborg android people and you punch them out and they had tabs on them that would help them to stand up. And it was like this whole playset thing, but it was all in a book. And <laughs> it was it was pretty cool. That's nice. That was before I saw the movie. I didn't even know what anything was in that book. <laughs> <laughs> nice. All I knew was from a, a Disney special that was like 
just to show, it was like a clip show kind of thing, but it was people running around the back lot of Disney and the devil was chasing them around. <laughs> and all right. And so then they would show clips from a movie and like Herbie, the love bug helped them. Like they were running away from the devil because so they got in Herbie the love bug and he shows up in the back seat or something. It was just this weird. Of course he does. It was a weird thing, but <laughs> but from that I saw scenes from the black hole and was just really interested in it. That's cool. Yeah, I um, I'm trying to remember. I think I don't know if I saw it in the theaters, but I went to we went to Disney World in 1980. In the uh, February vacation, and I remember I I bought the comic books. There was like a three comic book set. I think it was Whitman mm-hmm. or Dell, one of those. Yeah. And um, and I bought the the comic books, and I remember you know reading them, and and you know it it wasn't Star Wars. <laughs> no. I remember vividly that it wasn't Star Wars, but it it was still you know that that spacey type of stuff that I was looking for. You know, and and it it it's satisfied. I think just until Empire Strikes Back, and then you know you get Star Wars back again. Um, mm-hmm. But you know, I think uh, Battle of the Planets, I think, sort of did that too. It just took up just enough space and just enough Star Warsy, just enough Alien, just enough. And you know, and and then Empire Strikes Back came, and then it was just sort of like, okay, now we can just wait until uh, until the last one, and. So I think a lot of things for me personally, because, you know, I it was a very different time in my life when I was 10 with Star Wars, when I was 13 with Empire Strikes Back. And then when I was 16 with Return of the Jedi, because by when I was 16, I had been living Star Wars for six years and I had, you know, just about every toy, you know, all I, this was before the Lego sets that mm-hmm. would, you know, but I would make my own very boxy looking death star, you know, and set up my guys and everything was just sort of like star Wars or baseball, I guess at the time. Um, but when I, when it got to be 16, I, I even read the novel before the movie and I was like, oh, okay, that's where it's going. I guess I'll see the movie. And I saw the movie and it was just sort of like, yep, that's sort of mostly what the novel was about. And, <laughs> and it just, it just didn't wow me the same way that, that the, the first one did. You know, I, I wanted to see the, the ending because I had grown three years since the Empire Strikes Back fiasco where I didn't enjoy it because it had, you know, didn't have yeah. an ending. So now I see the ending and, you know, it's very Ewoky and things like that. So, you know, but it, it was just a very different time in my life. You know, 10 was was the perfect time for Star Wars for me to appreciate it and it just, you know, if, if it had been 10, 11 and 12 or, you know, 10, 12 and 14, that might've been a different effect for me. But, you know, having that, those three year lags for me, I think it was just at that age, just a little bit too much. So by the time Return of the Jedi was, was done, I was pretty, pretty much done. Okay. So when did you see Black Hole though? Um, or, or did you see it in I have seen Black Hole. Um, well, obviously, we, we watched it for right our episode. Before, yeah, <laughs> before that, I I know that I've seen it at least once, watching it on video. But I'm trying to remember if I actually saw it 
before then. And that would have been like in the late nineties or something. So I'm, I'm trying to think if I actually saw the movie or if I'm remembering just clips and then the comic book version or the, you know, I have a, a 45 or something of, of the, the black hole. Um, so I, you know, it's one of those movies where I don't have a very firm grasp of when I experienced it in full. Yeah. For me, um, it's, it's similar. Um, I think I, you know, there's that TV special that I saw. I think I saw it on TV, mm-hmm. uh, like on a Saturday afternoon kind of thing. I know I watched it on video, but I think it was in high school or early in college mm-hmm. and then got it on DVD and, and I've seen it a couple times since then as well. So uh, it's interesting for a movie that's not the greatest in the world. Uh, I've seen it a number of times. <laughs> <laughs> um, but you know, the other thing that's interesting about it is I think it the actors weren't sold on being in the movie. Mm-hmm. And if they had been a little bit more and, and if they've been willing to like be a little more inconvenienced by the movie, they had, I think they did some reshoots at the end or I can't remember the story now, but basically it comes down to the big climax at the end where they're running through the ship as it's falling apart. Right. They refuse to wear spacesuits. <laughs> so because they would have asphyxiated by the time. I, I don't know, anything. but they, they, they refuse to wear spacesuits and the vacuum of space is, you know, or the pressure of the air, I guess, is pushing out into the vacuum of space, however that works. Right. But um, and so they're getting sucked into space, too. Like they're holding on to things so they don't fly away into space. Mm-hmm. And, yeah. And you know what? They just no, we're not going to wear a we're not going to wear a spacesuit. <laughs> and I, I think that those little things like that that kind of harmed it. Um, but they did. As much as they spent time, you know, showing off the things, they did have laser fights and, and things like that. But mm-hmm. it just was a much drier version of Star Wars. Um, let's see here. You know what else? Uh, 1979 saw was Moonraker. That's right. So 1977, you had the Spy Who Loved Me, and at the end of the Spy Who Loved Me, it said James Bond will return in for your eyes only. Mm-hmm. And then Star Wars came out that same year and they, <laughs> and they said, hmm, you know what? What if we put James Bond in space and we have a book that has nothing to do with James Bond going into space, right? but it has the word moon in it. Yeah. And so that could work. Moonraker happened. Um, moon yeah. Raker. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> So moving it's, on. Yeah. Well, it's just another one of those. I yeah, think it's just another one to throw in the pile. Yeah. <laughs> yep. Um, what else do we have here? We've talked about a lot of these, but let's see. And do you remember much of Buck Rogers and, and Battlestar Galactic on TV? Or do you I remember- do, but that's just because it was a big part of my TV viewing as a kid. It even was Star Wars on TV, six. you know. Even yeah. when you were like five and six years yep. old. Yeah. No, I think it would have been reruns like the year after, but but then again, Galactica nineteen eighty. Uh, I say it might have been reruns because it was during the day that I was watching it, but it was also in Canada, so maybe it just was. Oh yeah, that's right. That's when they aired it on on the the channels that we had, but yeah, I mean, I have I have very vivid memories of Buck Rogers. Uh, certain episodes, especially 
like the one where he crash oh, I lands. Love that one. Yeah. He crash lands on a planet and there's a kid on the planet and his dad, uh, it's turning into, uh, um, a centaur, not a centaur, uh, a satyr. Uh, his, his legs turn into goat legs and he grows uh-huh. horns and then Buck is taking care of the kid and then Buck starts to turn into that. Um, you know, there's just certain episodes that I have very vivid memories and there's the one from Battlestar Galactica where the people were trapped in a room and like the ship was melting and like molten metal was actually like coming into the different rooms. They had to keep moving, keep moving and they needed food. And so they sent, uh, uh, what's the dog's name? Daggett. They sent the Daggett, uh, with a tray of food, you know, into the, the, the ductwork and it just that made me feel really really nervous watching that and uh and then i would actually move the couch away from the wall and <laughs> pretend that i was crawling through the ductwork of a spaceship because of right. that right of course um so i have i have vivid memories of that i have vague memories of, of black hole i have no memories of 1979 anyway of alien <laughs> no i didn't i i wasn't old enough to, to i would have not been old enough at all although i I listened to a few podcasts about Alien and Aliens and the franchise, and a lot of people mentioned, yeah, I was first introduced to this franchise when I was six or when I was seven. Wow. And I'm just like, what? I, It just amazes me. Amazes me. Yeah, that's not – you know, people <laughs> – keep, keep your kids innocent as long as you can. Yeah. <laughs> you know, yeah. you don't want to introduce it. And it's, and it. And it's difficult because – you know, we're, we listen to stuff on the radio and we're like, oh, this is bare naked ladies. And it's like, you're listening to what now? Yeah. It's like, oh, no, 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 no. This, it's just the name of the band. Although oh. that's why they have that name. It's because, exactly. because on the, on the flyer that was stuck up in the college, you know, dorm walls or whatever saying that what's going to happen at nine o'clock at the student center. Right. You know, <laughs> and you get to see that's who's going to be there. And yeah. 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 Or sex pistols or, you know, I mean, anything like that. But now it's just like these are the songs the, by these bands. You know, I mean, there's so many horrible band names, but you you get past it, especially like 20 years afterwards. And you, they're all over. You know, this is the classics. This is, you know, the great hits of the 80s or something. And it, you just you you pass it by because for you, it doesn't mean anything anymore. The, right. the, well, the shock value is all gone. Uh, OK, so goodies. Goonies, we've talked about this before. Dr. Jason and I yeah. both had the same situation happen where I went back to rewatch it. Yeah. And I'm like, well, I don't remember any of this language. I don't remember <laughs> any of this, uh, you know, the, the off-color humor. I didn't remember any of that. And I'm watching – He, his kids were a lot younger than mine. So he's just watching it because he loved that movie when he was a kid. I was watching it because I, I we could watch this with our kids. And then I'm watching – I'm so glad I previewed it because – Yeah. But then I went to that movie alone with my friend. So we, you know, my parents didn't take us, his parents didn't take us. Uh, his mom dropped us off at the theater and we mm-hmm. went and saw it. And, you know, it was just one of those things where it was a, a pivotal viewing experience in my you know childhood. Mm-hmm. Um, but then I watch it as an adult. I'm like, how did I even, you know, <laughs> like, what was my dad thinking when he let me go? Well, yeah. he didn't know, I guess, but yeah. Wow. <laughs> Uh, okay, so Star Trek The Motion Picture. When yes. did you see that? I remember this movie vividly because 
I got sick after the movie because I got like the big thing of popcorn, the big thing of popcorn, ate the entire thing. And then after the movie, I'm just desperate for, for a drink. And my family's like, we're not going to pay whatever it was, $2 or a dollar or whatever for, for a, a water. You know, there's a, a, a water bubbler over there. Why don't you go and, and, you know, get some water off of there. And so I'm like, okay. And I'm like, hmm, I have this empty container that used to have the popcorn in it. I'm just going to fill it up as much with water and then I'll, I, I'll just be able to... No, I'm serious. I'm 12, I, I believe that you're time. serious, but I'm laughing at you as a 12-year-old. I know, and you should, because I, I drank it and then I think... I have a vague recollection that we were going to go out for ice cream or something afterwards. And then by the time we got down the street to the ice cream place or wherever, I, I might have it might have just been where the ice cream place was. And I was just like, I, I have to. And I don't know exactly what happened. I don't have a vague, a, a very clear memory of, of exactly the, you know, the, the, the outcome of what happened. I might have just had a, a sick belly for a little while, but it might have been much worse. But I remember vividly that it was that movie. And I just, you know, I drank the water out of the buttery popcorn thing and, you know, hilarity ensued. But, um, but yeah, I remember that the movie, was, it just wasn't Star Wars, you know. It was slow, especially for a 12-year-old who wanted to see another Star Wars movie. It was slow and plodding and long. And it's like, we get it. These things are big. Okay, can we move on? <laughs> And uh, I actually found, I don't know if it's still there, on YouTube I found a 10-minute version. Someone cut it down to 10 minutes. And it really cuts out too much. But yeah. if you really want to, to, you know, if you've seen it before especially and you just want to like, you know, reconvene it in your head, then you can just watch it and it's a 10-minute little blast. You know what would be interesting would be to do like what they did with uh, – Planet of the Apes, which someone cut Planet of the right. Apes down to a Twilight Zone episode length, yeah, and and did it as a Twilight Zone episode, black black yeah. and white. Rod Sterling uh, narration from two different Twilight Zone episodes. It, yeah. It'd be interesting to take Star Trek: The Motion Picture and cut it down to a Star Trek: The Original Series length thing, yes, with commercial breaks and and that kind of thing. That'd be really interesting to do. Uh, and, and just see what happens when it's 45 minutes or 50 minutes, I guess, for, right. for a show back then. Yeah. Um, that'd be interesting. I still – I, yeah. I like the movie. I'm going to see it in the, the theater on the big screen very soon actually. I, I can't remember the date, but it's, it's come up in September here. And I'm very excited to do that because I've not seen it on the big screen. I saw it on TV and we mm. videotaped it. Nice. And so I watched it a lot as a kid. And, and so we're talking, this is around 86, 87, around in there. And, mm -hmm. and so I was watching it. This is junior high, you know, this is, and, and I watched it often. I had, um, that wrath of Khan from TV. And then my dad bought from a video store. They were, they were clearing out some of their tapes. And so this was back in the time when for purchase videotapes would cost a hundred bucks. Because, wow. because stores yeah. were the ones buying them. Yep. And and so it actually the price tag actually said ninety nine ninety seven crossed out nine ninety seven. It was the, the new price. <laughs> uh both of them were handwritten on there. Um 
And so that's that's the videotape that I had of Star Trek three. Star Trek four hadn't come out yet, but it was going to be. And yeah, that's and so I became a Star Trek fan between Star Trek three and Star Trek four. Mm-hmm. And, and that's when I started watching the series and reruns, obviously, but every day, you know, on in syndication, wow. it was on Monday through Friday at six o'clock and I would just catch it every day that I could and, and watched and rewatched the, the videotapes of the, of the movies. And so Star Trek motion picture was part of that. And then as soon as it was available, um, to me on, on VHS or some release on VHS when it, when I bought it, like in, in college, I think. And then, of course, on DVD, when it hit DVD and they did that special director's cut kind of thing where mm-hmm. they they fixed it was a special edition. They fixed some of the special effects and and did something to make it more you know true to what his vision was. And and that was you know, obviously I have that. Of course, I have not bought it on. No, that's not true. No, it's Star Trek 2 that I have on Blu-ray. I did not double dip the Blu-ray on on the motion picture. Yeah. <laughs> But that's also one that I can just pop on and put on the background because you don't have to really be paying attention to it. It's like a screensaver sometimes, you know, yep. where it's just it's just a moving image that's nearby that's just kind of mm-hmm. occupying your your vision while you're trying to do something else or whatever. And yeah, I I do like it. I think it's deeper than people give it credit for. I think it's funnier than people give it credit for. Uh, but it's also definitely as long as people give it credit for. And, <laughs> and I totally understand why people do not like it. Um, or, or consider it to be a, a, one of the weaker installments. I, I get that. And Star Trek two then became, Hey, let's star Wars this thing up, you right. know, and let's yeah. get a good bad guy in there and have space battles. And that's right. Someone with some background in the actual star Wars, Star Trek universe, you know, I mean, well, they um, dug back into the, the episodes yeah, together. Yeah, that's yeah. fantastic. Yeah. Um, so there is a couple other movies. One of them is um, Stalker, which is Andrei Tarkovsky. This is right. not a Star Wars effect thing, but this is a Russian uh, sci-fi movie that I love. Um, he made Solaris as well. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. This is yeah. the follow up to Solaris. Yeah. And when was Solaris? 74, 73? I'm not sure. Something like that. I'm not sure. Um, there's also Unidentified Flying Oddball. <laughs> which was the uh, Disney sci-fi version of a Connecticut Yankee in King Arthur's Court. But yeah. it's an astronaut who ends up in King Arthur's Court. And I right. I saw that on TV, one of those episodes of the Wonderful World of Disney that I was talking about. Mm-hmm. And this is another one of those where I just – the Witch Mountain movies, this movie, Cat from Outer Space, just these kind of – Disney almost feels like it's made for TV, but – it got theatrical release. Yeah. You know, but, uh, yeah, but they're, they're movies that I just have a soft spot for them. Um, let's see. Supersonic man. <laughs> have you seen what was that? that about? No, it's, it's a Superman ripoff. Oh, really? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> uh, the reason I saw it was because, um, they did, I can't remember if they did Mr. Science theater for this, but they, they did riff tracks on it. And and that was on Amazon Prime for a while and well worth watching on Amazon Prime if you're not paying extra, you know, and it's riff tracks where you have people watching it, making fun of it for you and <laughs> with you. Mad Max was 79. 
Okay. Uh, but not, I don't think I would call this part of the Star Wars effect. Um, Meteor with Sean Connery was 1979. Uh, I have uh, not watched this. No. Uh, except that we were in a hotel as a family and it was on TV. And my dad wanted to watch TV, but the kids were supposed to fall asleep. And so he was watching this and I wanted to watch it, but I didn't at the same time because I didn't want to at the same time because it was freaking me out because the <laughs> meteor was going to you know hit the earth and destroy the earth. Right. And so my dad realized I was watching it and he wasn't in bed yet. We had the, you know, there was the four of us, my sister, my mom and dad and I two two queen size beds. So the girls had one the guys had the other one. Um, and my dad was watching TV in the chair, realizing that I'm trying to watch TV as well from the bed. So he actually got in bed and positioned himself so I couldn't see the TV. <laughs> and, <laughs> um, and so I fell asleep. But but what a what a lineup. You have Sean Connery, Natalie Wood, Carl Malden, Brian Keith, Martin Landau. I mean, Henry yeah. Fonda. This yep. is like the who's who of, of Hollywood at the time. And they make this. You know, for I, I guess for and people say as Sean Connery movies go, this is one of his his meteor roles. I, I I'll believe that. His his meteor roles. <laughs> I get it. <clears throat> I don't want to get it. I want to give it back, but <laughs> I get it. Sorry. <laughs> hey, so there's also a book that came out because of Star Wars this year. It was it the Splinter of the Mind's Eye. No, I think that was the year after, but I'm not sure. No, that was in 78. Yeah, I think Splinter of Mind's Eye was 78. Yeah. I might be wrong about that. It might be 79. And if it was 79, then absolutely that's part of the Star Wars effect. But uh, there was a radio drama show that was coming out around the same time as Star Wars. And oh, in right. 79 is when the book version of Hitchhiker's Guide to the Galaxy came out. That's right. The novel. So That's right. And the, the, the radio version was fantastic oh man and then they they did the book and then they did the the tv version with david prowse actually uh playing a sort of a, a bit part but still a speaking part um so you had a little bit of a star wars bleed over there yeah i just uh i listen to the radio program every couple of years i'll listen yeah, to fantastic. that uh and and then yeah, the book, it's been a long while since I've, I started the book a couple of times and um, in, in the last 10 years, I should say, because I used to read it like every five or six years or so. Mm -hmm. I read the, the book, but it, it's been now over 10 years since I've read it, which isn't a bad thing necessarily. I mean, I, part of it is I've been listening to the radio program so often. Right. Yeah. You don't need the book. <laughs> yeah. uh, and the, the radio program came first and and they adapted that into the book, which was then adapted um, they were both kind of adapted into the TV series mm -hmm. and then all three of them were kind of mixed up into a blender and spit out as the movie. And there is apparently another series in the works to adapt the first story, uh, for one of the streaming services. I think Amazon prime, but I'm not sure. That'd be interesting. And I think one of the most interesting things about it is every single iteration, it's like there's no real canon. They're just going no, to take no. the, the things that the, are the funniest and play the best. And that's what they're going to put out there. So, well, even and, within, uh, yeah, within the, the radio dramas, uh, they, 
as they start adapting the books, they realize, oh, this didn't happen in the radio dramas, but it happened in the books, but it gets referred to in this next one. Okay, <laughs> well, we'll just say that there was a time anomaly, you know, or whatever. And, yeah, no biggie. Yeah. <laughs> this is one, though, that I think they got accused of ripping off Star Wars. And Did and they? just, yeah, with the radio program. And the radio program was in, in production before Star Wars. And they definitely benefited from the Star Wars effect. Uh, but they weren't making it to make fun of Star Wars, which people thought they had done. Mm-hmm. Um, but no, they were just uh, doing a sci-fi comedy. I don't think it was really even meant to be a parody of any one thing. It was just, this is a comedy of... Of yeah. science fiction because uh, Douglas Adams he worked on Doctor Who and right. wrote a couple different Doctor Who series and uh, had his name taken off of one of them because he wasn't happy with <laughs> how things went but then they have now repackaged some of his Doctor Who episodes into novels to make nice. them look like they're novels by Douglas Adams when really they are someone taking the scripts that wow. Douglas Adams wrote and turning them into a novel um, that's kind of it works <laughs> it actually works though uh, there's say so yeah i mean is it does it have the blessing of douglas adams estate or anything like that of the, of the estate yeah i think all right then i think um but it's it, it works it's fine it's interesting because he did take some of his uh doctor who ideas and still use them in Later, Hitchhiker's Guide to the Galaxy books. So, oh, that's cool. Yeah. Yep. <sighs> so, what do we learn from all of this? That's the question that I've been asking myself as we're talking about all this. And I think part of it, uh, this is not necessarily for, well, maybe it is for everyone, but I'm just looking at all these people trying to emulate Star Wars mm-hmm. and missing the mark on what made Star Wars work which was a whole different combination of things. But one of them is the energy. One of them is the technology. And one of them is hitting the right point, the right time. And then trying to replicate that, you get star crash, you know, where you have (laughs) these people who just don't understand and they're just taking the makeup of it. Right. And, and saying, well, we can do that, you know, and, and then you're also getting black hole and Star Trek, the motion picture and alien where they're definitely trying to, ride that bandwagon in the case of alien they're doing their own thing though and that's probably of as far as a movie that's just a film is probably the best standalone movie of the bunch yeah as far as uh craft and as far as um actually dealing with theme and stuff like that Mm -hmm. um yeah And, and as far as actually just being a satisfying viewing experience right yeah I mean, it's just problematic in small ways, but that's not what this episode is about. Right, right. Um, I mean, the, the problematic parts are 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 the theme, you know, and <laughs> and some of the the things that go into that. Right. Um, but but if you're taking that away, like this is actually Alien was made because of Star Wars, but it was made with a a vision of its own. Mm-hmm. Black Hole was made because of Star Wars, but was made with a vision of let's be Star Wars. Right. We've got our space heroes and they got their guns and they're running around with their cool weapons. And there's this bad guy who's really robotic and foreboding. And and then we have um, 
bad guy troops that can, you know, that are cannon fodder for the good guys. Right. And there's, there's walkways and there's spaceships <laughs> and there's droids that are cute and, and, and quirky. <laughs> yep. Yep. They're the quirky droids, you know, anything. Right. And I think, and interestingly enough, I think silent running was the first time you saw like robots like that. Yeah. And, in, in well, and that was before star Wars. I don't know if it's the first time, but it's it, silent running is actually one of the movies where you can point to that and say, star Wars was pulling some of the, the, the trick of we are creating a lived in spaceship. Right. That is not just pristine corridors and everyone wearing the same clothes. You know, yep. it's, it's this, lived in world that it's shot as if they are just shooting a movie, um, shooting a movie. And that's just the natural place. And so there's establishing shots, but not necessarily like these long lingering shots. There's, there's some of that. There's, there's some cool ships in that movie. Mm-hmm. Yep. They, they actually did a lot of good design for the mm-hmm. movie, which, uh, you know, it, it, even with all its flaws, it's still, it's still a good watch. Um, especially if you can watch it and you're, you're a more forgiving, you know, you're not looking for, it has to be like star Wars to, 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 you know, grab me. So, you know, but there's, yeah, there's a lot to it. There is, it, you know, I, I, I almost hesitate to talk too much about it because it is a movie that not many people have seen, I think. Um, yeah, let's not ruin it. So it's just, <laughs> it's just interesting years. to me that, uh, the hero of this movie does some very unheroic things. Mm-hmm. And it's 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 meant to make you think. And what it makes me think is, I think the message they're trying to portray, it's kind of dumb. <laughs> <laughs> well, yes, but visually, you know, I think it's it's worth it to to take a look at it and to dissect it. And you know, if yeah. it's really dumb, it's really dumb, and you can take that out of it. However, it's because it's sci-fi. They're yep. doing things in space. It's 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 about it's about ecology. Mm-hmm. It's about you know taking care of the planet and that kind of thing. Um, and it's trying to say something that if you take just the statement that they're trying to make, you're like, yes, you're right. But then how it makes the statement and the things the guy does in the name of the statement mm-hmm. makes you well for me anyway. It makes me say, well, wait a minute are are they saying what they actually seem to be? Th- trying to say because if they are it's not working <laughs> it's the wrong statement but yeah yeah anyway um so what i was saying about you know just as christian creators and we have people complain about you know christian movies are not good and christian comics are not good and christian books are not good um i think some of us get caught in the trap of trying to be the Christian star Wars or trying to make the Christian Superman or, you know, and and trying to just be the Christian version of that other thing that we liked. And we end up then with star crash or we end up with (laughs) black hole or we end up with supersonic man. Yeah. Yeah. Well, (laughs) supersonic man, but we end up with star Trek, the motion picture, which is technically there's this brilliance in filmmaking that's happening here on one hand, but a complete lack of understanding of what people want on the other hand. And, uh, you know, and so 
that's that's kind of the thing that gets me thinking is like, okay, you know, and and I I've been caught in that trap before too. Like I wanted to make the Christian Star Trek, and mm-hmm. I've wanted to actually make the Christian uh, Hitchhiker's Guide to the Galaxy. Yeah. And I wrote a script actually of what would have been uh, a chapter, a first chapter in a Christian Hitchhiker's Guide to the Galaxy, um, where it's doing the sci-fi thing in a comedy, but that's poking holes at um, you know different worldviews, and mm-hmm. you know, and maybe it would have been good, maybe not. I don't know. Um, I've put it away, and it's been a long time since I've seen it, but. Um, I, someday I think it's I will, time to dust it off. It might be, it might be with the, uh, it's, it's not time yet. That's, <laughs> it is not time right <laughs> now to do that. But, um, but I think we get caught up so much in the things that we like that we try and make or remake the things that we like in a different way. Right. Yeah. And instead of, um, you know, it, it becomes fan fiction. Mm-hmm. And even if it's different characters and and instead of making something that's our own um, and, and, and taking influence from the things that came before. Right. Yeah, um, definitely. Yeah. Because I mean, if fan fiction only goes so far and you know, it's one of my gripes with the modern, the the newer versions of, of star Wars is that they just, they seem like fan fiction. You know, it's it's it just it seems like they're taking elements that they like about the Star Wars universe, but not telling the stories that George Lucas would have told. So yeah. it's just sort of I don't I don't quite agree with that assessment, but I understand what you're you might not. It just, it's just I, I, I understand me personally. Yeah. You know, oh, it's not personally. just you. <laughs> oh, no, it is. no, it is not just it, you. Oh, no. Oh, no. But, <laughs> but uh, no. And, and, and this I mean, the same thing when, when I'm trying to tell, you know, trying to write a, a superhero story, you know, I'm like, how can I have this not set in the Marvel universe? Because I know the Marvel universe and I know how superheroes work in the Marvel universe. And, you know, it's like, okay, now I need to take a step back and, and, and peel that layer off and then tell a good story. It just happens to have people with superpowers in it, you know? And I think when we can get to that point, and tell a good story. It just happens to have have science fiction elements to it, and you know it doesn't have laser swords. It doesn't have you know yeah. blast guns. It's just it just tells a good story. And that's where you have to start is with yeah. a good story. And yeah. yeah, so that's one thing I, I thought about though as we were looking at these. And the other thing I thought of was, man, <laughs> Star Wars changed a lot. I mean, it, it yeah. really changed the face of pop culture and, and, yep. and fiction even, um, and, and toys. Yeah. Yep. You know? uh, I, I know some science fiction writers look at star Wars and say it ruined sci-fi. Yeah. Um, but others say, but it, no, it actually opened it up yeah. to the popular I mean, consciousness. It, and, it, it gave us science fantasy, science fiction fantasy yeah. to, to work with now. You know, and as as much as I don't like the you know the Buddhist and Taoist elements of the Force and things like that, it actually encourages you to say, you know what, I could write a science fiction thing where, you know, it deals with the the supernatural, and people aren't going to scoff at it because you can just say, hey, Star Wars, <laughs> you know. Yeah, yeah. Well, um, and so I mean, what good art does though. Good art does a handful of things. The main thing is it connects. 
with you. Mm-hmm. Good art connects with you. But I think good art can also uh, – good art inspires you to create as well. Yeah. Uh, and, and so there's there's the connection factor. Good art inspires and good art uh, causes you to think. Yeah. It causes you to think about that art. And that's – and Star Wars does all three of those things. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, Star Wars, there's a generation of people who were children in the late 70s and early 80s who are in creative arts because of Star Wars. Right. And and I'm one of them. Uh, yep. Absolutely, I'm one of them. And there might have been something else that had done that for me if Star Wars had not come along and been a thing. And maybe Superman the movie would be one of those things or, you know, whatever. But But Star Wars is the giant that looms large over so many creators who are and and I, I shouldn't even say just grew up in the the seventies and eighties, but but beyond as well. Mm-hmm. Um, but it it just caused people to um, be inspired to be be creators and, and be creative. Yeah. So yeah, definitely. So that's the Star Wars effect from nineteen seventy nine, and next episode may not be the next episode in this series, but just to give you a hint. 1989 is where we're going next. And when we do continue the series, it'll be 1989. The franchise effect is what we're calling that one. Mm -hmm. So 1989, look it up. It is a crazy year for movies. Crazy. Crazier than 1979. I would definitely say that. I think (laughs) just by uh, just the quality level of things in 1989. Right. Was yeah, much much higher than here in 1979. Yeah, just think about that. Uh, and and part of it was because they'd had time to think about it. <laughs> really, mm-hmm. Black yep. Hole. They didn't have a lot of time to think about it before they were rushing their production. Same with Alien. The difference with Alien was that they had a visionary director behind it. Mm-hmm. Um, Moonraker. You know, like, hey, let's hurry. Let's get James Bond into space. <laughs> yeah, what are we waiting for? <laughs> <laughs> I wonder if that's the first sequel where it's in space, you know, where the, yeah. where they kind of jump that shark, so to speak. And like the first time it's, you know, and take, take an established character into space Cinderella as part of in space, part of amplifying. Well, I mean, the ones that I think of are like, um, Jason X, which was Friday the 13th in space. Yeah. Um, there was Leprechaun in space, which was right. not great. Don't, don't watch that movie. Um, Romeo and Julie 8. I don't know about that. Oh, it was a horrible, horrible cartoon. It was Romeo and Juliet with robots uh, in space. Just yeah. don't, don't. I, I'm not going to. Okay. <laughs> you know, maybe 10 years ago, I might have been like, I got to find that thing. <laughs> I still have time. No, I know. Let's let's deal with things that are uh, <laughs> that yeah. make. Make so instead, I'm going to go see Star Trek the Motion Picture in the theater and see it for the 30th time. So We'll keep praying for you. It's probably not 30. It's probably 20. <laughs> hey, you got any final words, Steve? Uh, yes. My final words are a question for you to answer. Okay. How do you feel? I feel fine. No. No. Star Trek the motion picture. How do you feel? 
I don't remember the line. I don't understand the question. Oh. I was thinking, was it Star Trek Four where the answer was I feel fine? Yes, but that was playing off of the original question. So uh, this is what I'm saying about the Star Trek the Motion Picture is it's deeper. It's deeper than you think because it's all about yeah. Spock deciding I'm not going to find this pure logic path that some Vulcans go through. And he's going to do this pure Vulcan path, pure logic path because he's going to deny his humanity. And then throughout this movie, he's finding someone else who is also – V'ger is basically a mirror image of Spock's own journey mm-hmm. and – you know, it, the difference is Viger is also searching out his creator and that's where you get in the TV version anyway, the McCoy's line. We all create God in our own image, which mm-hmm. unpack that line. You know, I mean, there's <laughs> – you can look yeah. at it so many different ways. One way you're like the humanist uh, – if you're going to read it, the, it with the humanist reading and you're just like, yeah, yeah, people do do that. But there's only one God and he is uh, immutable and unchangeable. But then you also – if you're looking at it from a Christian perspective – you have to be careful because we do that where we put God in box and we create him in our own image in some ways to suit ourselves and to say, right. you know, well, you know, it might be a part of the kind of thing where my father was not a good father. And so uh, I have a hard time trusting God because God is the father, you know, and mm-hmm. and uh, which I, I know of people like that. But then also, you know, where you say, well, God is loving, and so he's going to be loving in the image and in the view of how I look at love and instead of looking at him through the the lens of scripture and through the lens of what he's revealed to us to say, you know, where we are creating him in our image and right. and, 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 and 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 if not creating him, defining him and and it's just it's a wonderful line that caused me even as a kid to think about like what does that really mean and and what is mccoy saying when he says that and what can what does it mean to me when when we say that and there's this kind of truthiness behind it where yeah it's not coming from a place of truth necessarily but it's pointing at some truth and making Mm -hmm. you think about it and that's good sci-fi and that's why i think as christians we should engage with sci-fi forget about the whole pop culture thing where we're engaging with culture but engaging in sci-fi because sci-fi is about humanity and sci-fi being about humanity is different people's view of humanity and morality and spirituality and to be able to see what other people are saying about these things and 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 to be able to explore it the difference being as a christian we're exploring this stuff knowing that there is an absolute truth right and so knowing that as I'm exploring this idea of what does it mean for sacrifice, you know, what does it mean to, to love and all these different things. But as you're watching what it means in Moonraker for James Bond and love, <laughs> you know, we're also filtering it through these truths that we know. Right. And, and so it just, that's why the engagement in science fiction, especially because it's asking questions and it's, it's, it's asking questions and pointing at answers and sometimes trying to definitively make answers. Uh, then you have fantasy, which is doing something similar, but it's more on a on a I think uh, fantasy asks these questions less on this big picture level and more on a small personal level. Um, yeah. Anyway. So 
your final word being that question that I answered wrong, it did inspire a lengthier discussion, though. So good job. Good job. You're welcome. My final word is not going to do that. My final word is going to say thank you to everyone who's listening right now and giving you the homework to look up 1989 in cinema, especially. Although we might talk about some books and TV and different things like that, but um, in cinema, especially. And so thank you homework and of course finally (laughs) godspeed you've been listening to the strangers and aliens podcast hosted by ben avery evan david steve mcdonald and dr jason neal our music was composed and mixed by tim leffel We'd love for you to join the conversation by going to our website at strangersandaliens.com where you'll find show notes, articles, reviews, and more. You can also email us directly at podcast at strangersandaliens.com. Or you can join our social media conversations by following us on Twitter where we are at Strange and Alien or liking us on Facebook at facebook.com slash strangersandaliens. Or leave us a voicemail by calling the Strangers and Aliens hotline. That number is one 804 Once again, thanks for listening. Okay. Uh, I think, but I don't know. <laughs> Sorry about that. That was a motorcycle. That really was. Hang on. <laughs>